to Mediamancers, where we lift the spell of nostalgia. I'm Gona. And I'm Mike. We'll be going over old, older media, uh, anything over 15 years. That'll include movies, shows, games, um, a, n- a number of various media types, and seeing how it holds up with like a more modern day lens. And our first uh, offering into the four is a movie called Three Amigos. A 1986 movie starring Steve Martin. I believe it was Martin Short's first lead acting role in Chevy Chase. They are three actors in the 1910s uh, who are hired to save a town from a bandit overlord. Yeah, I think I think both you and I ended up drawing like parallels to all of these movies where it's like, oh, these are actors that suck for one reason or another who... Like through through random happenstance, trick someone else into thinking they're great warriors. It's a theme I did not realize was in so much media, and yet it there it is. Like galaxy, like you said, Galaxy Quest. I said a Bug's Life, and I'm sure that there are other ones too. Like it can't be only those. No, absolutely not. Um, but I mean, those are two of the more popular. I would have to assume. But you you've seen the, have you seen Three Amigos before this? So I hadn't seen Three Amigos before this. Uh, I I knew, like, actually, no, wait, that's a lie. That's a lie. I just lied. Uh, I saw literally the very end at some point. You know, it was one of those, like, I I was going to watch the next thing that was coming on. Mm-hmm. And so I, I saw the very end where they, like, ride off into the sunset and the weird, weird Ned thing. You know what I'm talking about, and we'll get to that. But yeah. the weird Ned thing I saw. <laughs> there, well, there were a lot of weird Ned things in this. That's true. Um, How about you? Had had you I, seen this? Or I, I I saw this movie when I was young. Um, I think I saw it a couple times when I was when I was probably about eight or nine, and then I saw it again probably about twenty years ago when I was about in my in my early teens. I would say okay. So it's been a while. Um, I got to tell you, first impression, this movie, like, there are problems with it. I think it held up better than I thought it was going to. Uh, so Better than that. No, no, no. My, my, You don't know how low my bar was, though. <laughs> true, true. Like, by all means, maybe the bar was on the floor and they were able to pick it up an inch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Look, no, I, I don't know. Hey, you know what? You know, this is what I'll say. It wasn't brownface. That's what I was. That's the level I was expecting. I mean, no, except like I thought is is I. Hefe. Hmm. Hefe. Yes, he is. He is. Yes. Okay. I thought I thought I had checked and it was like, oh, that is that is a white man. But I could be I, wrong. No, you know, what? he might be Mediterranean. Yeah, which is that weird thing That's, where it's like yeah. we can't we can't find any brown people. <laughs> Just grab whatever brown person you find on the street. Wow, you look like you have seen the sun. So yeah. please come with us. <laughs> uh like but yeah, is... they they did not do brown face, and that's that's good. And that like, was my bar. I guess that's they... the other thing that they did well, though, was the fact that like they were definitely cognizant of the fact that these are three gringos who are coming into town and they are just 
they're doing white savior complex. I think that was before, like, they knew about the white savior complex, but they knew that that was what they were doing. I, in the 80s, like, the white savior complex was being played around with a little bit. Like, um, for example, Big Trouble in Little China. Have you ever seen that? I haven't. The main character is the white guy. It's Kurt Russell. But he's the comic relief. Okay. He there he is he saves n- almost nothing in that movie. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. Um and I mean this was clearly meant to be a comedy. Mhm. And like so they got three comedic actors at the time. Yeah, and like okay, so that was another weird thing about this was I felt like they had a whole bunch of little like SNL type skits. Mm-hmm. That they wanted to put together, and they were like, "But we can't just have a whole bunch of skits. We'll we'll make a story, and we'll prote- we'll put it in the we'll put it in the background of all the skits." Well, that's the thing. Like this, one of the writers for, or at least directors for this, was Lorne Michaels, the person who runs SNL. Okay. And originally, they wanted more SNL actors. Like John Belushi was supposed to be in it instead of uh, Martin Short. Okay. And they said no, or he said no. And I mean, he died before then anyway, but he turned them down when they offered. Yeah. But, um, so like this, and this does have some very SNL stuff, like the, 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 the pose balls. that they do, the, the ball, the oh. plane balls thing they sat on. Yeah. That's definitely SNL sitting on a joke for way too long. Yes. And like the singing bush comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, we're never at no time in this are we told like, oh, there's there's magic, there's mysticism, except for these this one point five scene here where there's an invisible swordsman and a singing bush, Uh, and then like at least one of them dies, and the singing bush doesn't do anything. It just sings badly. Huh. But yeah, uh, it's it's interesting. I will give it that. I don't know if, like, I mean, there's there was, like, an influence from, like, Monty Python or something like that, where they felt like we had, or, like, if that's a thing that's normally in these kind of stories where they have to add, like, a little mysticism into it. But it's just, it's weird, and it adds nothing to it. Yeah, if you if you cut that part out, I mean, honestly. They would just they- follow the plane there. They would ju- either they could just follow the plane there, or it's like I I feel like someone needed to know where El Guapo's city was. Like it wasn't this. What? Why would the Invisible Swordsman know? By the way, like spe- you know, this isn't the King of Thieves. This isn't some kind of like oh, it's the hidden town. It is just it was a monastery. Like, at one point he says, you know, this was a monastery with priests. But no, it's... The invisible swordsman will point the way. After firing three bullets into the air, one each. One each. Yeah. Lordy Lou. But yeah, uh... With that, do we want to start, like, actually running it down, or... Yeah, because we sound like crazy people right now, talking about singing (laughs) bushes and invisible swordsmen. I know, I know, and it doesn't it doesn't feel like it should make sense in the way that like er, late eighties, early nineties movies didn't. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say, like the starting 
So, oh, oh, I did want to like, good job for them. Um, the three amigos actually were th- were singing. Yes, like that was their voices. They did. They yeah. didn't just. So you know that was good until it came to like uh, the grito, which uh, if you don't know, the grito is that thing where they're like, hi, 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 which is like. It's very hard to do. <laughs> yeah. That's, especially for them. Especially for them. And like, oh my God, later on when there is an actual mariachi band and like they come down and one of them does a grito, I was like, yes, that's it. That's what it sounds like. Yes. I, yeah, I I can't imagine they had the forethought enough to make it. Where, like, obviously the white person is going to do bad on that, and then someone comes in and shows them how it's done. Yeah. I can't give them credit for that. No. as Well, especially because the Grito that is actually good comes in, like, during that final fight. Or not during the final fight, but, like, right before. So it's not yeah. like it was, here's this, now here's this, and it's better. Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. Like, I mean, that's the last thing. But... I, I have to give a movie props for having the opening leads opening a movie, singing a song about themselves. That is that is true. Like, how often do you get that? Before the credits even, like, start rolling, they do this. And then they did, like, the overture, mm-hmm. which always makes me feel weird of, like, did, did they want this to become a musical? Was this... Or was that just the style? Points. I... The, this movie can't... I, I'm I'm jumping ahead, but one of the problems with this movie, like one of my main issues with it as a movie, is that it can't decide what style it wants to be. That is absolutely true. Because it's too serious at some points to be a parody, but it's too comedic at times to be a serious movie. Yeah. Yeah. So the movie, um, do do you want to give the rundown or should I? The way I kind of figured it would be like going down point by point because like i've got my notes as well um okay so it's it's one of those like if we need to hit it we'll hit it if not we'll be like yeah i remember that yeah i mean and we can probably tear it like as much as we're talking about it this movie doesn't have like the most meat on its bones no yeah it does it's not it's not thick but it does have some issues it does have some issues. It has a lot of goofs. So Carmen and Rodrigo heard something. Probably the young boy from her village. They never clarify if that's a son. I th- I think a... he he is. I think he's a brother. I was thinking little brother energy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's weird to bring your ten year old brother with you, <laughs> looking for gunfighters. I guess. Except like, okay. So here's the thing: is that like especially with Hispanic culture, it would have been expected that the brother, no matter how small, would have gone to protect the sister. You're and correct. so that was that was a part of why I figured um, that, that was why he came, uh, which, you know, makes it all the better when he's like, you know, can I have your watch when you die? <laughs> <laughs> but I did love that. Um, and like the first thing they go to is the cantina. We'll find them here. We'll find the good people here. Well, they were looking for tough people there. I guess. I guess. You don't look for people that are going to shoot people in a church. 
And yet, it, and yet, that's where they found them. But that's jumping ahead. They no, they find awful people in the cantina in the nearby town. Yeah, we don't. Uh, it, it, I think this is just the next biggest town. Like this place has a church and a telegraph and a cantina. She yeah. didn't have any of that in her town. None. No, they. Um, yeah, they had nothing of the sort there. They had uh, buildings, houses. That's it. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no. So like she goes in, she tries to find someone to help her. And first of all, like, so here's here's one of my issues that came up in this movie, and it actually comes up several times, is what do you know about colorism? Not as much as I probably should, or I'm going to in a couple minutes. Exactly. Uh, so colorism is this weird thing where like people of color are judged based on how light-skinned or dark-skinned they are. And so, for instance, in this movie, Carmen, uh, the other girls in the village who might be like her sisters or cousins or friends, I can't tell, uh, they all have this very light, very fair skin. They're considered so beautiful. Mm. Uh, whereas all of these people in the cantina including the white folk are like this dark brown dirty filthy and a part of that is supposed to convey like you know we're they're not high society they're very mm -hmm. gross people but there's also that that layer of colorism that you see later on in the village as well so it's not like it was just here but yeah, it falls along a similar concept where like the lighter means more like purity and like cleanliness and things. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I know yeah. what you're saying, but from I can see where that would be problematic, and that is an issue for a lot of the movie. That is fair. Mm -hmm. It's just this. This was the first place where I saw it and wrote it down, but it it shows up later on. Like, <laughs> spoiler you, alert. You mean the first two minutes of the movie is where you first noticed? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the first two minutes, I was like, ah, yes, they definitely did this. This was definitely, uh, because, you know, it used to be like this huge issue where um, women of color, particularly, like, I know men of color probably also did this, but it was more important for women of color. Like, they would do things like bleach their skin or do mm. different, like, treatments and make it so that they went outside less often because going outside will give you darker skin and that's that's ugly which is mind-boggling yeah i mean yeah yeah that's wild that's awful but um yeah but they go into the cantina the only person that interacts with their uh tries to molest her like we're coming off again the intro characters singing a song about themselves not five minutes ago <laughs> And then just all of a sudden, this guy's like, I know how to help you, and gets very handsy and grabby. He does. And then they, they scamper out of the cantina, obviously. Yeah. And the next place they head is the church, where a movie is being shown. Yeah, which they don't... I I, I wanted to go back, because I didn't fully understand why she went to the church. Like, was she just thinking, oh, I should pray on this? Which is... Very, very Hispanic Mexican culture it's, of like, ah, right. the Lord Jesus. It is, it's just about there. Because she says that uh, Ave Maria will guide us. And mm -hmm. then the church bells ring. 
And she's like, follows the church bells. Okay. Okay. Oh, God. And then she goes in and like, again, everyone that's on the silver screen, which did you notice they did the the like special makeup that you have to do yeah. for silver screen? I loved that. that. That was a nice little touch. I like that a lot, actually. We've talked a little bit about how like we're both theater people. Like I just that was mm-hmm. mwah, that was that was a nice little piece because you don't yeah. have to do that for uh, color <laughs> movies. Move no. It. Non-black and white talkies. You don't have to do that for the talkies. (laughs) You don't have to do that for the talkies. It's true. But I mean, again, like everyone that's involved in this, like the writers are Steve Martin, Lorne Michaels, who's the SNL guy. Mm -hmm. And I think Chevy Chase, all of them are like theater people. So, yeah, so So. they would they would know. But like they they go in and everyone in that silent film was white. Yeah. Yeah, they were. Again, like the they're wearing serapes, they're wearing the charros, which um, if you don't know, the charro is the that is the name of the costume that they are wearing. That is a it it's very often worn by like mariachi singers. It is oh. it's a very nice outfit that is meant to be more. It's like they're wearing tuxedos. They're all just okay. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's that it's that level of like good clothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like they everyone on that silver screen was white. And that was where I started to think like, oh, maybe maybe they are aware because everyone in the town except for the guy who tried to sexually assault Carmen is Hispanic and like mm-hmm. very clearly Hispanic. No, and I mean, I I waffle back and forth on that. Like I, I don't and whether how aware they were of what they were doing. Yeah, absolutely. Like, but on the screen, uh, there a movie of the Three Amigos is on, and they're in the movie. They are silent. There's a silent film. They are rounding up banditos, and at the end, the city offers them a hundred thousand pesos, and they say no. Our our reward is justice. And then they do their traditional salute, which is weird. It's two hands on your hips, and then you turn and cough. It's a thing that they do multiple times in the movie. Absolutely. Uh, That actually brings us to, like... So we learn the name of El Guapo. Yes. That means... The handsome. The handsome. And, like, he's not bad looking, but I want to know why that's his name. I assume it was chosen by himself. Okay, fair. Could have been chosen by Hefe. It could Hefe, you know, him and Hefe there was a lot of loyalty between him and Hefe that Yeah. Yeah. I don't I didn't see any sparks, but I'm just saying there there was a kind of platonic love, I think. Yeah, no, I I agree. El Hefe, like, he would one hundred percent fall on a sword for El Guapo. You you can literally say Hefe El Hefe was ride or die. Honestly. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. But after watching this movie, Carmen gets the idea of telegramming the three amigos to help deal with their bandit problem. Uh, because, I mean, the acting was so good, you know. Oh, it was amazing. It was such a good silent film. <laughs> it was the best. They go to the telegram, write out a well-explained telegram that would have cost 23 pesos, but they only have 10. Mm-hmm. So they cross out roughly half the words... Send it out to Hollywood. The Telegraph gets to Hollywood. 
And we immediately see the like Lovitz. John Lovitz. John, John Lovitz. Lovitz was in this movie for one scene, and he's super like skinny, and he has all his hair, and he doesn't look gr- super greasy like he always does. Well, and and he also like he was so meek comparatively speaking. Like now, now he is the big personality. Anytime it's, he's in something, he is loud and he is excited. <laughs> That's that is true, but I also feel like that was true again. I guess it's because of there were three of them, but I feel like Martin Short was a lot more subdued in this than he was in other stuff. That, yeah, well, but he's also he was, the youngest one. Yeah, he's very. They play up the whole fact that he's like so young and he's so little, but that's that's still like a thirty-five-year-old man right there. That is. Oh yeah. <laughs> like they couldn't. It always just made it feel real weird. Like, I it, it mostly felt like they were just picking on the shortest guy as like, oh, you're a kid now, you you child. Yeah, but I mean, he's also the most idealistic one of the three of them. Yeah, and he he actually ends up doing most of the like he does a lot of quote unquote saving the day. Like, uh, of the three of them, he is the one that puts the other two on his back. Yeah, and it's. It's weird, but uh, they, I will say again, they did the thing and like, I was watching for this because I felt it in my bones, but they didn't explicitly say anything until whoever the, the producer is calls them schmucks. And I was like, they did do it. Why would they do this of the uh, Jewish guy who mm-hmm. controls the media and has tons of money and is greedy and controlling and all that shit. And I was like, no, you could have done better. <laughs> you were the chosen one. You were so close. So close. But then by adding that one word, it was like, ah, so you're doing this shit. Mm. It's true. It's true. But that does bring us to that point. As Telegram's arriving, uh, the three of them tried to push for getting paid for their job or more money uh any money they make it seem as though like they they literally don't even have clothing they room and board is apparently what they were working for yeah um in that situation steve martin decides to try and big time him though which is a move yeah yeah when, Uh, when you have no other prospects but i mean you know they had to have some reason to be desperate mm -hmm. enough to go for this long shot it uh also this is probably something we should establish real quick these characters are probably about two shades up on the three stooges like intelligence wise oh okay yeah i would agree but yeah they get uh they get thrown out from their job their clothes and their housing is stripped from them because that's what they were working for mm-hmm. and immediately they're met outside by a telegram uh saying for telegram for the three amigos saying they will get paid 100,000 pesos if they come down to work with El Guapo then they like go and they try to steal back clothes except mm-hmm. it's specifically the charros which that in in and of itself is weird to me because apparently they've done other stuff they have but to get like together this is the outfit they always wear apparently is it okay that's that's fair that's fair um but they like i felt like that bit took so long 
yeah, where he like is trying to signal them with like animal sounds and stuff that goes on for about I think it was like a minute twenty. Yeah, and it's it's just him like getting progressively louder and eventually just saying, "Hey guys," yeah. and it was like, "Who is this for?" <laughs> Something I didn't want to notice. Uh, this is a real Adam Sandler situation where like these people are incompetent, but also at other points they are extremely competent yeah yeah they're supposed to be both like unable to clothe themselves and know that one person is sneaking in that they don't know what the word nada means yeah but later in the movie one of them like embeds a knife so far into a piece of wood that a guy is struggling for like five straight minutes to pull it out of his sleeve to get that free yeah and and another one is able to shoot super duper quickly and with great accuracy by the way i mean the way that they portray ned it would not surprise me if he was from a midwest and he killed a man and ran into hollywood oh yeah yeah innocent little ned netterton murderer mm-hmm. little netty uh but yeah like that that was that was just it was weird it was it is strange that they just like to de- develop hyper competence it's like happy madison hyper competence yeah i think of as like paul blart does it adam sandler writes it into his own movies about himself a lot mm-hmm. um it, it was that kind of thing back at the cantina before they get there a german aviator who uh imdb doesn't even give a name his name is the german really yes uh, he flies into town, says that he has friends that will be showing up um, and that they'll know them by looking at them, I guess. So the the next white people to walk through the door, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's that. I mean, my I guess my assumption was immediately, OK, the next German people and they will be white. But like they, they start to give him give him guff and like, OK, so it's weird but, but it's, I, the, it's the molesty guy. Yeah, it's the molesty guy. And so, you know, it, it gives that feeling of like, oh, this was why he molested her earlier was so that we would feel fine about him getting shot. Because yeah. otherwise, like, this is just a room full of people who don't want to get into somebody else's business. And as a person of color, <laughs> I feel that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But... If they were even thinking that far ahead, that doesn't explain what happens a little later in that cantina. No, you're you're absolutely right. But like that was that was my first thought was like, oh, okay, that's why they had him do something reprehensible was so that we'd feel fine about him dying later. Yeah, but he uh, yeah, the the molesty guy makes fun of him a little bit. Then the dude shoots him on sight and he says one more warning about his friends. They're not so friendly as I am. And. It's yeah. not on site because no. like he he lets he lets the guy like say, hey, hey, the moment that he snaps is when he says, hey, honey, sit on my lap. The moment that that like masculinity is questioned is when, ah, OK, it's time to kill this man. That's fair. And that's this weird line that like the the movie kind of like it it feels like it's trying to do nuance and it's not working because any time the three amigos come out like no one actually says like oh that's a bunch of sissies or anything like that 
other mm-hmm. than like weird little comments like, um, you know, you want to die with a real man's gun, uh, mm-hmm. stuff like that. They aren't called sissies, but then other people around them are called sissies, and they they are more hyper masculine. And those people who call hyper masculine people sissies have something happen to them, whether it's being shot or like thrown out a window or something. And so it's it's weird because they're it saying the the sissies are the heroes but also you don't want to be a sissy it's weird it's weird but they yeah they cuz uh, el guapo does at one point call them sissies when they cry and run away no he calls them women no he calls them women i'm sorry yeah 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 which is like that but it's weird yeah. and i hate it yeah uh, that, that's true i do even have that in my notes you're right but they ride into town. They are the next people to walk through the saloon or the cantina, and everyone like they react as as expected, coldly, a little scared. Yeah, they're all um, terrified. The actors, the amigos, don't understand why, so they try and warm up the crowd with a little music number. So they do this number and then leave the bar, and be, they run into Carmen uh, outside, and she takes them to the village, and then oh, the God, German no. friend. You skipped over something. You skipped what over I... something important. Oh, did I? The little balls of the airplane. Oh, gosh. Yeah, you're right, I did. After they walk out of the cantina, they see an airplane that uh, Ned identifies immediately, the model, because he was on a movie where he flew in that exact model plane, he says, at the time. And then they talk about how he knows it because there's little balls on the bottom of the plane. He knows it's a male plane. Or and a male like, plane, he, That's he right. means He means for it to be M-A-I-L. Yeah. And they're like, how can you tell? Because little of the balls. little balls. Yeah. But then they linger on that joke for 40 seconds until all of them get it. <laughs> then they're just, la- yeah, they're laughing for like half of that. So they got it. We got it. We got it. We got it. It was great. Cut like two minutes off of there and it'll be better. (laughs) It was a choice. It was a choice. Um, But no, the Germans uh, actually show up at the cantina. uh, They get made fun of. They're called sissies. Sissies. And then the Germans shoot up. or They shoot everybody except for the bartender in the cantina. Yeah, and the bartender's like, this town is getting too rough for me. (laughs) And I'm just like, he deserved better. He, he did. He did. He it gave out three guy. free. Te- no, he gave out three free tequilas, and his bar got shot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, and his client by the way, all by the way, fun fact: there are cervezas that would have mm-hmm. been like readily available at the time, and it dro- drove me just a little batty that everything was tequila. It was only tequila. That's it. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. At that day and age, like they, there were, there was some importation they would have been able to mix their own like i said cervezas beers mm-hmm. it was just it was weird like that just felt like some weird form of racism right there um it that's the thing like a lot of this movie it has these points where it's like not quite racist but yeah. it's on that edge like yeah. like you it feels like it could be. It feel it feels like unintentional racism. Like you know, they, it wasn't 
it was like they they had this much research time and you know someone procrastinated and was just like it is tequila they just have tequila that's the only thing yeah in that in that case for sure they get to the village they're welcomed as graciously as they could be they eat Uh, tacos poorly chevy chase specifically eats tacos chevy chase oh my god and this this is where I pointed out. I think this is the most interaction he's ever had with probably a Latin Latin skinned people. Period. Oh my god! I mean, probably Chevy Chase. I mean, just him being in the movie makes this a more proud. Like that's one of the reasons why I thought this was going to be worse than it was because I knew he was in this movie. Yeah, and he like even even as recently was that like what one two years ago when he was uh, being a super jerk to Don Glover. I mean, apparently he was doing it the entire time they were working on the community. Yeah, yeah. No, but I'm saying, like, that is how recently it came out, and that he was still doing it. So it's I mean, it's not like, you know, oh, yeah, that was five years ago, and he's so much better now, or anything no. like that. It's an ongoing issue. It's a wild thing that you hear people talk about Hollywood people, and even, like, the bad ones, like the real shit heels. Sorry, but you... Oh, you, you mean uh, like uh, Bill Murray? Or I, I was thinking like Mel Gibson. Fair. Also there, also there, a terrible person. <laughs> there, are, There's always someone that says, oh, no, he was always a really nice guy. Nobody says that about Chevy Chase. Yeah. I've never heard somebody say nice things about Chevy Chase. And I've known people who know Chevy Chase. But I mean, no, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Like, I, I've never read a nice thing about Chevy Chase, and I don't understand why he continues. Because he's not even that funny. I mean, in no. this, in this, it's Steve Martin is, you know, the lead guy, and Martin Short is the the kid and the hero and the innocence and dusty bottoms chevy chase is there because they needed a third amigo they he plays the of the three of them he is considered the dumb one and he can play instruments that's true he can he can play instruments like the guitar yeah yeah we'll get there we'll get there we're almost there actually and they did the one bed which was just like I felt like that was silly. I did not feel like that was some kind of a weird reference no. to anything. It was just I, I I honestly thought it was a little funny that we're all sharing the one bed. Yeah, well, and especially like you know this is a very poor uh, mm-hmm. Mexican town, and I think at some point Chevy Chase says something like you know next time when we come here, let's stay somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. They like talk about their future and like, what are we going to do with the hundred thousand pesos? And I honestly could not remember. Lucky Day says he's going to buy a car. Yeah. Chevy Chase says he's going to like travel. Martin Short says he's going to build an orphanage for kids. Uh, the next day, a couple of uh, bandits that were on patrol, I guess, are scouting the village. Uh, stop in for, you know, to rest and to pick up more tequila. Uh, to pick up to pick up more tequila. You're right. Yeah. Um, they stop in and the amigos uh, put on a performance, riding around them, shooting guns into the air, doing a lot of nothing. And this confuses the bandits and they run to tell El Guapo, their boss. First of all, he has this weird thing where he is taking a picture of some of his people. Oh, yeah. In, like in a very Middle Eastern um, setting. And like, yeah. I love El Guapo 
as a villain, as a person. He was my favorite. I loved well, him. Out of the characters, you, El Guapo is the person where I always say, I want to know more about that guy and how he got to where he is. Yes, because he's he's very obviously smart and well-learned. Like, you know, he, yeah. he literally has a bit later where he's talking about vocabulary and plethora with yeah. uh, with Jefe. They, they do wordplay. They do wordplay. Uh, he he His people do not fear him in the sense of like, oh, no, I, you know, I don't want to talk to El Guapo. I don't want to. Uh, they really respect him and they got him like this big birthday bash. Like he is a good leader and seems to be a good guy with these people. I, I liked him so much. With one exception. He does shoot a man. <laughs> he he shoots a man, but in theory that was an accident that was a good was. that was a good bit too by the way because <laughs> higher higher <laughs> it is it's one that you can see coming from a mile away but it's still good yeah yeah well and but like also with like the bandits that initially went into the town they were very like oh they're just a bunch of stereotypical you know those drunk, lazy Mexicans. And they could have very easily done that with El Guapo, and they didn't. They completely subverted the stereotype, and that was mm -hmm. before that was very frequently done. So, like, that was great. I loved yeah. that. No, absolutely. You're you're correct. But yeah, so... Well, like, we'll have more to say about El, or about, uh, El Guapo later. Yeah. And uh, El Guapo says, the next day I will come by back with 50 men. And um, and so, like, they do the party. Again, it feels like a bunch of small bits. It's minor party scenes. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Including Chevy Chase doing the guitar. But, like, it's yeah. so bad. It's so very bad. It is. And it is. Um, I thought that was supposed to be the bit. Was that, like, you know, he thinks he's doing... He was... He was um, have you ever known anyone like on a college campus who brings their guitar and plays it at like an okay level, but it's not surprisingly I have. Oh, have you? <laughs> yeah. But you know, that's not what we're here to talk about. Today. We're not here to talk about that person, but, but yeah. that was, that was the same vibe that I got from that Chevy chase scene. And I thought that was the bit that they were going for was that like, he thinks he's this great guitar player <laughs> And he's butts. Well, that that actually brings me to something I wanted to talk about, about that party scene. Yeah. It felt like a lot of bits from a, like, high school movie from, like, five, like year, a couple of years earlier. Like a Revenge of the Nerds style, like, party or Animal House party thing. That's, like, kind of what it felt like, but with, like, older people. I could absolutely see that. And, like, they they did have very traditional... Oh God! All the little, all the little ninas wearing their their red and green yeah. and white. Oh my God, that was so cute. Uh, but like, was it Ned talking to them about how he met uh, famous people? Yes. Yeah, that was so weird. And I felt it, like the the point of that bit was for it to be weird, for it to be a disconnect, because like none of them are going to know. Yeah. Uh, I've, I think the only one that like really integrates at all, at all with them is Lucky Day. Mm-hmm. And that's because like he's got a romance with Carmen. Yeah, but he doesn't through the movie. He doesn't. 
he doesn't, but like that this was this was the only place where I really saw them try to make it a thing. It was it, it is breadcrumb at best. Yeah, it they left one breadcrumb for the entire loaf of bread to be at the end of the movie and even that is very moldy stale and hard as a rock um it also ends abruptly they kind of just jump cut to the next morning yeah it's it's just uh, oh it's day now we we don't have any more bits we gotta <laughs> we gotta go yeah. oops no bits time time for the bandits to show up right and early uh the, and they come out they do they do their thing and Aguapo's amused. Yeah, he likes uh, them. He likes, he likes them. them. He's only going to kill one of them. He says he's going to kill one, and he doesn't. he doesn't. Like, think about how good El Guapo seems to be with weaponry, and either he misses or he purposefully just makes it a graze across the arm. Again, we are going to go back to the part where if he was that good with weaponry, he would not have shot his own guy on the roof of the place. Maybe. We can't tell. That is, it It feels like, you know, these two scenes interlock with each other. Either he is a great shot and he just fucked over <laughs> Paco. Anybody can roll a one, you know? No, that's true. Or uh, he, you know, is a terrible shot. And this just emphasizes that he is a terrible shot. That's true, too. Because he, he grazes one of them, uh, Steve Martin. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, uh, that's what leads him to realize, wait, these are real bullets. They're really trying to kill us. And I did like that bit where he's like, wait, it's real. It's real. Yeah. Guys, it's real. Because yeah. like that, that felt that that was a good bit. That was a good it's, bit. It's a good way. To, I think he reacted correctly. Yeah. And it was and like that was very the that was very much the in character of like, guys, I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> this sucks. Yeah, and then and then they all just have a good cry, uh, and uh, <laughs> beg for their lives and run away. As you do, and but, like El Guapo says that weird line where he's like, "I do not kill women," and yeah. that that is the closest that we get to them actually being called sissies outright. Mm-hmm. And then uh, because the town tried to find uh, fighters for them, the town gets sacked and Car- Carmen gets kidnapped. Which, you know, like, that that immediate, like, uh-oh. But, like, they come back, the the three amigos, you know, they come back and they're like, we're here for our stuff. And they're like, there's nothing. Which, by the way, yeah, they had the clothes on their back and that's it. Yes, but they didn't have, like, their pajamas and their other stuff. Oh, did they bring pajamas? I, I guess I didn't yeah. even notice that. that. I thought they just, like, had their underwear on and they yeah. put on the charros. They at least had nightshirts, because I remember Steve Martin coming to the window in a nightshirt when uh, El Guapo was on the way. Okay, fair. Uh, but yeah, so I guess they, they stick those. They, you know, explain, oh, uh, he, he left. And Ned, again, does the heroic thing. Like, Ned is their moral compass and says, you know, let's, let's do this for real. What if yeah. we did it for real? The other two are complaining and talking about running back home, and he's just over there loading real bullets into his gun. Yeah, he's like, okay, no, no more of this blank shit. <laughs> this this is, I mean, this honestly is part of the thing that leads me to believe that he was from the Midwest and did actually kill somebody <laughs> before yeah, he yeah. ran over to California. But no, yeah, so they, they like go out into the desert and they start like doing the, 
they do a couple again it's a series of bits but they do the weird little water bit at where chevy chase had his entire cantina full of water and hadn't drank until that moment and then wastes a bunch of it and then rubs lip balm on himself yeah yeah the lip balm I honestly think that was Chevy Chase, though, not not uh, Dusty Bob. <laughs> no, yeah, that was just Chevy as a human being putting people, lip balm on in the middle of the movie. People, I know I'm being hard on Chevy Chase, but I want you to look up literally anything about him that doesn't involve one of his roles and tell me if I'm being hard. Yeah. Because no. he, he's, he's a piece of garbage. Let's set this. They are sitting at a campfire, uh, which is clearly on a soundstage. Mm-hmm. With like fake cactuses uh, and like a, re- a painted backdrop. Mm-hmm. And this is where they first talk about the singing bush and the invisible swordsman, first off. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're also like. And N- Ned go- tries to go to sleep, gets scared by the, a cow- coyote howling. Dusty starts singing a song, and like the entire environment sings with him. Yeah. Like a coyote comes by and dances to the beat. A turtle sings a part of it. Yeah, yeah, like out, outright sings. Also, it's a tortoise. It is a tortoise. Thank still, you. You're right. Uh, but like English, English language speaks, sings a line. Uh, there's a baby cougar. Like that is very clearly an adolescent baby cougar. Mm-hmm. And like I was, I was so worried for it. I. <laughs> I didn't end up looking it up, but I want to know what happened to that baby cougar because it deserves better than being in a Three Amigos movie. Wow. Uh, They sing this song, and then at the end, the turtle wishes Ned goodnight. But this is the exact, that is the point when the movie goes off the rails because two scenes later, they get to the singing bush. And And like the singing bush is not like a like natural thing where it's like, oh, the wind whistles through it. It's a bush singing songs. And it's it's like a constant song, and it's screaming these songs, like just mm-hmm. absolutely yelling these songs. And it kind of sounds like Crazy Frog. I can I can see where you get that. And then they have to do the ritual to summon the Invisible Swordsman, which is each of them has to do a specific chant and shoot their gun in the air once. Lucky and Ned are pretty into it. Dusty does not believe this for whatever. I don't know why he got skeptical all of a sudden, but he did. Yeah, he was, like, skeptical and or just, like, done with this, which, again, mm-hmm. maybe that was just Chevy Chase being Chevy Chase, and he accidentally shot the invisible swordsman that they had hired for this movie. Well, <laughs> yeah, that that's likely. But, yeah, the first two do it fine. Dusty does it last and points his gun to the side, shoots the invisible swordsman dead. So they cannot find the camp until... They just follow a plane into the camp. So that scene had no reason to be there, and it took about five minutes. Unless you found the singing bush funny. I know a lot Someone of people bring up Someone had to have found bush. it funny. No, I, if I, when I talk to people about this movie and they talk about it, one of the first things they talk about is how much they love the singing bush. I don't get it. Why? Why? It's so terrible. I have to imagine it's what they remember from watching this movie when they were a child. Anyway, anyway, they Any- follow the plane. And it is a special day when they get to the camp, because it is El Guapo's birthday. Yeah, and there's, like, so... I can't remember exactly... Yeah, I can't remember if that was at the beginning of this scene, or if there there was... It was somewhere in between, where, like, they just... Because they... Jefe and El Guapo have this wonderful discussion where, first of all, it starts out as, like, 
we got you so many piñatas. Jefe is so excited about all of the piñatas. And he's like, would you say it's a plethora of piñatas? And they go back and forth. And he eventually is like, you know, you shouldn't use the word plethora if you don't know what it means. And Jefe is just like, I think once again, you are taking your anger out on me when you mean for it to go to someone else. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my yeah. God. He like that's that's language that some people still today don't know. Like that was that was great. I loved that. That was oh, I want I want those characters. I want them to have a movie, a show, a series or something. I want that conversation to have ended at that spot right there. That would have been so much better. Because then, it, yeah, you're right. It gets into that weird, like, oh, actually, I would... actually, there was one scene before that where Carmen is sitting there and the lady comes up and she's like, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, the uh, El Guapo uh, is going to take you tonight. Um, do you know what foreplay means? And she's no. like, no, and neither does like, he. Neither does he. That's good. And they like. So Okay, so I feel like this movie suffered from not killing your lovelies. Do you know what that is? Uh, no. So in writing their, or your darlings, uh, in writing there is this phrase, this saying, uh, kill your darlings, because so often when we're writing, we will put something that is, you know, oh, you know, I love this so much in the scene, but... It has no actual purpose. It doesn't really fit, things like that. It's it's something that we want, but not particularly that the story needs. And that's what that felt like, was like someone wanted to have the, uh, do you know what foreplay is? No, neither does he joke in in the movie, and they couldn't figure out where to put it. Well, I, I think this is part one, and the next conversation we're going to talk about is part two. Of giving you reasons to actually dislike Aquapo. <laughs> because at this possible. point, there is almost no reason to other than him destroying that village. That, yes and no. I've known quite a few people. I've known quite a few men who don't know what foreplay is. Like, I can't say you're evil just for not knowing what foreplay is. I'm not, not that part. I'm talking about the next part. <laughs> yeah, I know. The next part, Absolutely. But it's, and like, I guess that's the other weird thing is that the, I'm going to call her, uh, the mistress because she's, she's dressed like a, uh, bordello matron. <laughs> I, I'll agree to that. Yeah. And, and I love her for that. She deserves the world. But like, she says, you know, he's going to take you. And then in the next conversation, he explicitly says, like, I'm, I, I won't take her. And Hefe says, you know, you take cattle, you take things, you, there's a third thing. Um, I don't, you wonder. take horses, I think. Oh, um, no, you like, uh, you like took the, the like villages stuff. Yeah, it was, it, yeah. but he, he lists off three things that El Guapo has clearly stolen has taken mm -hmm. as his and had no issue with and el guapo says yes but i i won't take a woman and it's that immediate feeling of like oh good he's above rape that's dope especially in that day and age uh and then he, and then he's like you know she she will or else i will kill her at which point it's like ah so you 
you will rape, just you'll force her to say yes. He the way he says it is he says eventually a woman will open or her flower will bloom and then el jefe says when will you make her flower bloom and he says tonight or i'll kill her yeah 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 and it was just so weird because again like the flower bloom i was like oh my god you know he's gonna he's gonna like romance her he's going to slowly teach her he's gonna beauty and the beast her but that they they made it they made it weird they made it sexist and they made it rapey and it didn't have to be rapey yeah and it's really the one other joke other than like the start of the movie that's like that yeah and it it like feels out of place honestly yeah Um, yeah yeah they they have that conversation uh amigos are looking for a way to break in Mm-hmm. Uh, while that's happening, the Germans have landed. They've actually shown up here. You, uh, we forgot about the Germans, but they're back. They bring guns as a gift for El Guapo for his birthday. Like, and they they stay. Like, they're very friendly with El Guapo, which makes me think like this. This was a again. It's showing that El Guapo like is a very likable, affable fellow. Mm-hmm. Otherwise. And on top of that, that's where you get that scene that we were talking about, that, that good joke where he El Guapo wants to test one of the guns. But, you know, also no one like bats an eye at that. So maybe that's... A, no. Maybe that's a commonality. Maybe, like, he does just possibly kill people and that's why people are nice to him. I don't know. I can't tell at this I, point. No, I genuinely think at least, at least El Jefe, if not the rest of them, genuinely love that man. Uh, Chevy Chase actually swings into Carmen's, like, holding cell, which is on the second floor of a building. Mm-hmm. Ned swings into a pinata and gets stuck there for an ind- uh, about probably five, ten minutes. And Steve Martin swings down into the middle of them and gets captured immediately and thrown mm-hmm. into a basement dungeon. Into this contraption that looks like it's there to make you strong. Right. It looked it looked like a Bowflex. It did. It, it looked, looked like it... just like pulling on the things. So, yeah. Per, pi- okay. Picture that you are X, X chained to a wall. You all know what I'm talking about. But so if he pulls his arm out, like this thing of like stone weights come with it. And each time he pulls, like it just it gets heavier and heavier as he goes. He he does it eventually. Eventually. But like, I mean, if I if you were chained to that like every day and just like for an hour, you'd be like ripped. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but like but, back back up in Carmen's room, they break out and. They it's this weird thing where like Dusty knows exactly they have already they killed a guard. Dusty killed a guard. No, the the I think Ned was it Dusty that threw the Dusty rock threw at the, the rock. Yeah, he threw a rock at a guard. He was fine with that. Killed that man. That man is dead. Yeah. And then like when it comes to knocking this guy by pistol whipping him, he's not. Which is. I, maybe it's harder to do to knock someone out when you're right next to him. I don't know. He's also very unconfident through the movie, if you hadn't noticed, so you might think he's going to mess it up. That's true. Like, well, like that, is part, that is part of his arc. And he, he uh, takes a disguise of one of these people and tries to fit right in. And, like, he's immediately pulled in by one of the other bandits. To, who's like, drinking tequila. Who's drinking tequila. Oh, yeah. 20 dudes in in dirty clothing and i mean first of all chevy chase sticks out like sore thumb because he is a white white man oh yeah and el guapo is able to point him out very quickly after the excitement of getting 
his well, sweater. Apparently the whole group of bandits chipped in mm-hmm. and got him a gift and he opens it up and he holds it up proudly and it's a sweater and he yells, it's a sweater! And they're and all so excited! They're all so excited, it's very wholesome. The, that is the one, that is actually the thing I remember the best about seeing that movie as a child is him getting the sweater and how happy he looks. Yeah. But yeah, he, he like starts going over how like he remembers uh, each of these men and what they have done together, which mm-hmm. is such a good leader thing to do. And he finds Dusty out. Because yeah. he calls him out and knows nothing that they've done together and recognizes him as a white person. Yeah. Uh, which, again, like with the weird lines, Chevy Chase says something about like they raped the horses and took the women. And rode the women. Rode the women. You're right. You're right. But yeah, it was, that was, that was just weird. Just weird. It, it was. I, mm. And and then uh, Ned finally falls because he's been hanging about 20 feet above in the pinata. The entire time. Yeah. And one of the, well, it's been probably about five minutes. But no, uh, like they, the, the German recognizes him. Yeah. And it was his, Ned was his favorite actor. But no, like he he challenges him to a duel because Ned is like, yeah, I didn't do trick shots. And he goes like oh. dead serious. That's the moment where it's like, oh, no, maybe he did murder. <laughs> it's not an unsound theory. <laughs> yeah. So the German says he loved watching him in movies and his quick draw was amazing. But then he found out about Hollywood trick shooting and how Ned couldn't possibly be that fast. And Ned's like, no, no, I can do that. Right. And so a duel ensues. And they do the whole weird thing of, like, you don't want to have that sissy gun, which, again, yeah, the German had been told that it was a sissy gun because they apparently have very similar guns. Yeah. Uh, The German had been told that in the cantina. Like, again, just weird, weird. They have have smaller six-shooter pistols. I don't see. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird scene to put out for that. And so a quick draw happens. Ned wins, obviously. Yeah. Lucky shows up, holds a guapo at gunpoint, mm-hmm. and then that lets them all escape, and they run to the plane that Ned can sort of fly. Yeah, his his stuntman had flown. The stuntman flew it, but he kind of remembers how to do it. Yeah, and then then they have like this weird. So I don't watch westerns that frequently. Is this often a thing where it's like the heroes get to a town? shortly before the bad guys and they have to figure out a way to because like i immediately was pulled to blazing saddles i was gonna say it worked in blazing saddles yeah exactly they worked in blazing saddles <laughs> black sheriff <laughs> <laughs> why not <laughs> but like they did this in a very similar fashion where it was like oh we gotta think of something what can you do we can sew Okay, and so they they sew up these, like, dollar store charros for everyone. They had so much black fabric. They did. But, like, they, they do that. And it does it does end up working. I, I switched between whether I loved it or hated it as far as the... It was literally those three actors doing the shooting instead of having the town do it, but, like, doing creative camera work to like hide faces or make people Mm -hmm. seem taller and stuff like that like i feel like that could have could have upped the cleverness just a little bit they do the misdirection again Mm -hmm. very similar to blazing saddles 
scare them all off. And then also dig a pit that they cover and three a couple horses fall into it. They, they don't even cover it. It's just that they fill it with water. Well, so I thought that... there was something over it and like the tarp, like and the, and there was water inside. I didn't think there was tarp, but I could be wrong. But yeah, like all, all of this and these people who they ma- they got him a sweater and they run away. Yep, except for Hefe. Except for Hefe. And also Hefe says I'm still here and then he gets shot. Yeah, yeah, Hefe deserved better. But yeah, like well... they they murdered all of those people. Oh yeah. Which I under I understand, you know, self-defense all that kind of stuff, but like they did a weird amount of shuffling to make sure that the three amigos didn't kill anyone previous to this. And now either the three amigos or people from the town murdered. <laughs> I love that El Guapo shot him in the foot as as his goodbye. As El died. Guapo could have murdered one of them very Probably easily. Steve Martin. Probably Steve Martin. And instead he was like, it's pretty good trick. Uh, <laughs> and dies. Hear me out. I think El Guapo was aiming for his head. <laughs> Do you think that just furthers the theory that he's yeah, just that he's a shit aim. shot? He's just terrible. Oh my god. I I guess. They do mm-hmm. another weird cut where it's okay, it's it's time to say goodbye, it's time to leave. I don't understand where they're going. They're just like leaving to find injustice. Yeah, they're gonna be like their characters, but for real. But their characters were wealthy landowners. They? they need to own land first. Yeah, yeah, that was like the whole bit that, uh, not John Levitz, but John Levitz's boss said. Oh, that's right. You're right, yeah. No, well, now they have a place they can come back to. It's a poor village. Yeah, and Steve Martin promises that he will come back for Carmen, which again, just a weird, like, I guess there's a romance there? Yeah, I mean, I guess. Oh, also, the town throws them the little money that they have. Yes, and they, Ned specifically, throws it back. Saying justice is its own reward. Yeah, yeah. But also Lucky and Dusty are like, yeah, like he learned something instead Mm -hmm. of being the kid who has been the the moral compass this entire time. Yeah, instead of the person who had the least to learn out of these three people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, like, they do the weird, weird, so, like, Steve Martin's yeah. got his little maybe romance with Carmen. Chevy Chase has the... Oh, his yeah, was more established, his, honestly. His was, his was. And and so, yeah. like, they, they do this at the very end where they kiss. And first of all, let me tell you, I do not know a single Mexican puppy who would be okay with his daughter... Uh, kissing up on a white man like that, she would have been disowned. <laughs> she would have been driven out. Uh, they would have had to have been married in five minutes, or that man would be murdered. Like, that wouldn't happen. But the fact that it did happen, and then they just ride off, is even worse. Yeah. Oh, and Cherry Chase gives the child his watch. Yeah, yeah. That made sense to me, because the kid was like, you know, can I have your watch if you die? Oh, and he's like, die. here. <laughs> yeah. Take it anyway. And then, the, yeah, the last shot of the movie is him looking at that watch. Is that the last shot? I think it is, unless it's them riding off again. Yeah, it's them but... riding off, and then it, it does the uh, 
the we- that is a classic western thing where it's just a still shot and then mm-hmm. credits rolling but no then ned like again this was a this was a bit that they decided to toss in where this woman in all white with european corset which that's the other thing very european corset uh outfit type thing comes up and just like full on frenches him mm-hmm. and he's like yeah like this has just been the case the whole time just yeah. weird women are yeah, accessories it's, it's the only scene she's in too it's a weird send-off especially and like it it's a weird message yeah like and yeah there are like you said there are like light and dark shades of how they shot the movie and mm-hmm. like levels of dirtiness and stuff <sighs> but uh yeah that's that's three amigos that's that's all of it it, it ends with it riding them riding off kid looking at a watch final thoughts uh, what what are your final thoughts on this movie like what would you recommend it to somebody i don't know that i would like highly recommend it if it were one of those i'm looking for a parody of a western sure yeah, I'd allow it. As far as the issues of like colorism, weird sexism, a little bit of racism, but not in the way you'd expect it, and the toxic masculinity? It's a thick soup, but it's not as thick as like I would have been worried about. It is bogged down by those things. I think a lot of things have done it worse. Yeah, I can I can agree with that. I think this is it could have been so much worse. It could have also been so much better. It could have, especially with the star power that it had in it. Well, I guess it was just those three actors, but still. No, you, Johnny Lovitz was there. John Lovitz, that's true. They could have actually brought him in for more scenes. Yeah, they could have like, oh, my God, what if it had been the four amigos? That would have been something. That's what would yeah. have made it better. This is the kind of movie that uh, in the... I would say in like 90s, 2000s, if I was sick at home and this was what was on TV, I would watch it. You can watch it once. Yeah, yeah. Watch See it once. Get get the El Guapo feel, because honestly, if like if I can if I can create media with a, a jefe El Guapo dynamic like that's I love that. I love that. Give me those villains. Yeah. Now, I I do actually think he's a little bit ahead of his time as a villain. Yeah. Again, he mm-hmm. was the best part of that movie. So what are we watching next time? Next time we're going to be doing part one of the X-Men cartoon from 1992. It's going to be a two-part series. So, you know, the first one is going to be next. And then we're going to have another part. Because with TV series, like, there's so much more media that you can work with. Whereas, you know, with a movie, it's like an hour and a half. Yeah, so next, it'll be the first season of that uh, series. And we'll be doing, I think, the first uh, seven episodes. And then followed by the last seven or six I think it's 13 episodes for the season. Yeah, I think so. That sounds right. But yeah, so that's that's exciting. <laughs>